Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, back with you once again for a, another unique podcast. Um, I really think you're going to like the guy we have here. Um, we've kind of had a couple podcasts that have been had to do with communication inside your um, agency is what we're going to talk about today. We've also been dealing with communication on how we can properly sell better, we can negotiate better, persuade people, influence people. Uh, you probably heard that from Dave Freeze. I think that was a great podcast. So here's what I want to go on today is I want to introduce a guy by the name of Skip Wiseman, and he's going to talk to you a little bit about some of the value he can bring to helping you specifically um, the communication inside your office, whether that's between your CSRs, your account managers, to agency owners. And I don't really want to sk steal Skip's thunder, so I'm just going to kind of let him talk more about it. So before I get into it, as you guys always know I do, I want to inform you and let you know that on September 8th, in Chicago, we are going to be having Grow Laboratory. Keep in mind, it's not a conference, it's not a convention, it's not a workshop, and it's not a trade show. This is where uh, a unique atmosphere where we're going to take 50 people and 50 people only, and we're going to take the consultants and speakers and stick them in the crowd, and we're going to take the agents in the crowd, and we're going to put them in the forefront. And we are going to take the best out of each agent to come up with the complete customer experience business cycle. It's going to be awesome. I guarantee you, you've never been to anything like this. So please join us on September 8th in Chicago. You can go to growprogram.com uh, forward slash grow dash laboratory. And you can find, find out all the specifics and the agenda and how much it's going to cost. Please, please join us. I'm, I'm telling you right now, you're, you're never going to experience something like this. Besides the fact, I'm going to be there. Joey Jangola is going to be there. Ryan Hanley, Brent Kelly, um, Jeff Roy out of Canada is going to be there. There's going to be a lot of people. So it's just not great net great networking and camaraderie, but it's also going to be Grow Laboratory. We're going to create the best customer experience business cycle, September 8th. you want any more information, you know you can always reach out to me at jason at growprogram.com and I'll be able to help you as well. I also want to thank you for some of the most recent reviews that I've been getting on Stitcher and iTunes. I, I really, really love them. If you haven't taken your time to do that, I mean, I do this show for free and I love doing it and the only thing I ask of you is that you could make those reviews so that iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play show our podcast to more agents. Keep in mind, the whole podcast, the whole meaning of this podcast is to create forward momentum in the insurance industry so that we can create change so that we can have the best industry God ever created. So in the meantime, let's get on with the podcast. Here we go. Here we are back and uh, let's get right into this. So the gentleman we have today is Skip Wiseman. I talked to you a little bit about it and you know I asked uh, Skip um, before we started the podcast, I said, you know, if you, if you could narrow it down to one value that you bring to um, the independent insurance agents or business owners altogether, because really a lot of the stuff Skip's going to talk about is just basic communication. Um, but that's what he said. He said, I believe that one of my strong points is, is I can help the communication inside the agency, probably a little outside too. Communication is communication. And I think that that's vital because when I receive emails about the podcast or random emails about people asking what I think, I got to admit, not, not a huge amount, but really kind of the more serious agency owners are the ones who want to know and master that culture and that communication channel in their agency. So when I ran 
ran into Skip and I listened to him and I understood who he was, I said, boom, the listeners have got to hear this guy. So Skip, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. Looking forward to our conversation here. I will. I, well, I am as well. And, and you know, you heard me say, because you've been there sitting quietly and patiently, mm-hmm. which I appreciate that. I mean, it, it's an important thing. And, and I'm really looking forward to what you have to say, because me, even as an agency owner, I'm curious myself. Like, I always want to have better communication with my staff and, and also my business partner. I mean, I want to make sure that we have a, the open lines of communication. Before we do, though, Skip, I got to ask you, are you an iPhone or Droid <laughs> user? iPhone, Mac all the way. Mac all the way. Okay. All right. So we've already started off on the wrong foot, Skip, so I appreciate that. Um, no, 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 no. That's okay. Uh, you've listened to a couple of the podcasts. You said, you know, I'm a Droid user, and it's, I'm, I'm avid about that. Um, but I got to tell you, iPhone's got a good product. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Um, the app uh, for business, personal use, uh, personal development, anything for fun. Have you found an app out there that you've downloaded lately that you want to tell people about? Well, interestingly, I just did a my own podcast and webinar with a colleague who encouraged me to download an app that he's an expert in training on, and um, it's Evernote, and I'm sure it's yep. been for, for a long time, and just like everybody else in the training that we had on our webinar, um, I've uh, people who download Evernote but never use it effectively, it's just, just sitting there, and I had it on my uh, iPhone for years. I took it off last year because I never used it, and then he encouraged me to get it back, so I re-downloaded it last week, and I'm going through this little training on how to use Evernote more effectively, and actually, the last two weeks has been really cool. It syncs up with my laptop uh, in the cloud to my iPhone, and all my notes um, are now you know, at a fingertip uh, away. So, so um, you and I, let's say, are doing this podcast right now, and you have something that comes to your head. You can just open it up and just drop a note into it. Right, and I can access it from anywhere with uh, searching via with tags. Uh, oh wow! And and highlights, and it's uh, it, it's really powerful. And I've heard of like, a couple other people talk about it, but I didn't know as much specifics like that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, neither did I until I went through this training, and it's 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 really powerful. And um, I'm again tapping into it, maybe ten percent of its capabilities, but I've been putting everything into uh, into Evernote, and it's real. It's it's been really helpful when I've been out on the road working with clients or at networking events, and I boom, I can pull something up automatically just based on searching a tag that I created, and it's it's been very helpful. So, Skip, who are you? I mean, take us back to high school, take us back to college, wherever you want to start, and bring us forward. Give us a little taste of who Skip is. Wow. Well, I may even go back farther than that. Please do. <laughs> when I was seven years old, my father took me to my first Major League Baseball game, and that started my path in uh, looking towards a career in professional sports, and I was really fortunate enough after I learned in high school I was not going to be the next major league ball player to play first base for the New York Mets. Um, I had to do something else to stay close to the game and my first career after I got my master's degree in sports administration was uh, minor league uh, baseball. I was the CEO for five different minor league baseball teams over the 20 years of my baseball career. Wow. And uh, that was my first love. Uh, baseball, and uh, I was able to make a career out of it and get to go to a ballpark every day to earn a living for 20 years. It was really fun. Holy moly. So over 12 organizations, you've been CEO in the minor leagues. Did I get that right? I was five over 16 years. Five over 16 years. Okay, really, let me ask you, what does that matter? Because if you were one, I think that's pretty impressive, let alone five. That is awesome. And so after that, how did you get to where you are now? Well, about my 17th year in the game, I actually began to get burnt out. 
and I was sitting uh, on our left field patio at our stadium about mid-July and looked at the scoreboard and we were losing four to two and it was about nine o'clock in the evening and sixth inning and I just said you know I don't care if we win or lose I just want to go home and I knew in that moment it was going to be a transition coming soon (laughs) (laughs) sounds like it yeah and so uh, but I didn't I wasn't professionally ready or personally ready or financially ready to make a move and so I said you know 20 years is a nice round number to go off on I got about two and a half years to figure it out and I used those two and a half years to make the transition out and I've been doing this ever since Wow, fantastic. So when you say that you've been doing this ever since, um, but before we go any further, how can people find you out there? If they're listening right now um, and they're accessing, please, people, as I've said, don't do it while you're driving down the road, and it's really bad if you're trying to swim. Uh, Skip, we actually have a couple people who listen to this while they're swimming. So if you're swimming, don't try to look up him right now on Google. But Skip, where can they find you? Um, my website is yourchampionshipcompany.com. Okay. I use the metaphor of, of sports and creating championship performance on the athletic field to apply the same strategies in business. So it's yourchampionshipcompany.com. Okay, yourchampionshipcompany.com. All right, that's awesome. So um, when you say, uh, well, after you left being a CEO of five minor league organizations and you decided, hey, I'm going to make this transition, you said, and then I've been doing what I'm doing now ever since. What do you now? Give us, from a 30,000-foot view, then going down to ground level, what do you do? Basically, I, I say I help business leaders communicate to motivate. And if you think about a small business owner and their team of employees, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout the day, and there's a lot of people coming and going, and stuff seems to fall through the cracks, and people say certain things certain ways that get people out of sorts, and that builds up over time, builds up resistance, it builds up resentments, there's change coming, especially in your industry, the way, you know, CSRs were originally hired many, many years ago, and they may still be around, and now the expectations for their job has changed, and so... Over time, just communication seems to break down, and so I get in there and do the do the nitty gritty grunt work with people to have the conversations that have not been had for for many years, and I facilitate uh, the business owner and the employees to just start communicating more effectively together, and it can really uh, really makes a difference because people are not not saying what needs to be said; they're afraid to, and so we. Um, we just get in the trenches and start breaking down the, the barriers to great communication and create a whole new work environment and, and culture. And we can do it actually within 90 days. Really? Within 90 days? Okay. One of the things that was awesome about that, Skip, what I just heard, it made me think of a book that I read uh, by Jack Welch. And I think it's like in the first chapter, he gets right to it. He says, if you're going to have a meeting and you're not going to be candid, don't have the meeting because it's a waste of time. And I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying. I think a lot of people think they have good communication, but they really don't because I think a lot of times people don't express what they what they really feel or mean sometimes. Am I wrong about that? No, uh, Jack Welch was absolutely right. There's, there's a definite lack of candor in the work environment and for a lot of reasons, and some of it is very justified mm-hmm. uh, because we've learned – through experience that, well, maybe this environment is not conducive to candor and people don't want to hear what the, what the reality is or they don't want to hear that from me anyway. And so people hold back. And the work environments are definitely lacking that. As a matter of fact, I've created a program called the Seven Deadliest Communication Sins in the Workplace, and one of the seven is a lack of directness and candor. 
Oh wow! What was that? What was the name of that again? It's the seven deadliest communication sins. Fantastic! And and it did, can they find that on your website, or is that part of your consulting and stuff like that, or is this like a white page paper somewhere? Absolutely, is a white paper, and uh, actually, if people want to download it, they can get it for free at my my other website that hosts the landing page for it. Uh, it's workplacecommunicationexpert.com. They can just put their email address in and grab the white paper. Wow, that's a huge value right there, Skip. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, love to talk more about those seven deadly sins. I, I didn't. We didn't discuss that when we first no. started because I would have grabbed that and we would have <laughs> up on that. But that's okay. We got enough stuff to talk about because this is this is this is intriguing. Okay, so let's go. Let's let's go into let's be in Skip's life. Skip wakes up in the morning. He's been called in by an agency owner. What do they usually? You pick up the phone. An agency owner calls you and they want some help. Usually, what is their concern? What's their what's the usual majority of the time what they have to say to you? What's their issues? The, the, the big issue is as simple as employees, frontline employees, usually it's customer service reps or the receptionist who answers the phone or, or whatever, people not following through and doing what's asked of them uh, and and getting getting the results from, from people. And it's like pulling teeth to get people to follow through or follow up or get me what I need uh, or what I need them to do. And I've told them time and again, and I'm just tired of it. It, it's exhausting and it you, know, you would think that these people are earning a paycheck and uh, you know they've been part of the team for so long yet they seem to be uh, resisting uh, what we need them to do in today's environment uh, and they give lip service to a lot of things some of them are even passive-aggressive and it's just really gumming up the works and I'm putting out fires I'm, I'm often um, playing referee between employees that aren't playing nicely in the sandbox. It's all of that stuff. Wow. Wow. And so you basically have a plan because you've been doing this so long, not only just with insurance professionals, but I mean, being a CEO of an organization takes good communication skills. I believe a baseball team on the field has to be communicating. So when you say now you basically have like a 90-day plan to kind of alleviate most of that concern that you hear from that agency owner, is that is that correct? Yes. And you know, it all starts with just digging in, as I said, going into the trenches and just talking to people, find out what's going on, what they like, what they don't like. And for the most part, it's, it's, it's often the first time people have even been asked. One of two things happen. Either it's the first time they've been asked and it's the first time they have a real comfort level that something is actually going to be done about what they've been asked for mm-hmm. feedback on. Or they've been asked for feedback or they've been asked for input and it goes into a black hole. <laughs> and, gotcha. And so they create this learned helplessness. Why bother? Why should I say anything? Because nothing ever happens or comes of it. So, um, and so the, the first thing is just just having conversations and talking to people, um, and breaking through the cynicism and the skepticism that it's going to be different this time. And and that's probably the biggest thing I have to overcome. Yeah, and that's what I was getting ready. I love your little phrase there. You you probably know it, but uh, I don't know if the follow or the listeners caught it. Was uh, learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot uh, because that that's what that's what that is. Now now here's my question, and and I think uh, I've always had this question when I hear about consultants or experts, um, you know, uh, asking question or interviewing uh, staff at the at the agencies or any business. How do you get them? 
to understand, number one, that it's going to be different this time, that somebody's actually going to do it, but also to where they trust you that you're not going to run back and tell the agency owner and now they could possibly lose their job or some kind of rep, reprimand or something like that. What is the key to that? That, that makes me curious. Yeah, that's, that's a great question because it's on everybody's mind. And uh, first of all, everything they tell me is usually 100% confidential. I say usually, but you know, if they tell me that, you know, Sally next to them's, you know, thinking about blowing up the building tomorrow or whatever, you know, I'm gonna, I actually have, you know, I have to say something or if somebody's, you know, being caught, point. caught stealing or something, you know, those type of things have to come out. But anything short of illegal or seriously unethical stuff, you know, is 100% confidential. And, um, and you know, it takes some while to, to, to build some trust, but I can build trust with somebody in the work environment, usually within the first couple of minutes of the conversation, because uh, what I tell them is what, what your boss, what your owner has, has asked me to do is to help you and him or her create a more positive, more productive work environment. Gotcha. And, and I don't know anything about you, your company, because I'm new here. I do know some about your industry, if it's the insurance, because I've worked with about you know six or eight or uh, small insurance agencies, so I have understanding of the of the industry and what you guys do. But in reality, you are the expert in your own workplace, and I personally don't care what happened yesterday. Let's focus on the future, and let's just discuss if you could create the ideal workplace. Let's talk about what that would look like, and let's start fresh moving forward. Look into the past and learn from it and say, okay, these are the stuff that's happening that I don't like, uh, and let's get rid of this. But we don't blame anybody. We just say, this is what it is. It's been happening. We don't like it. Let's move forward. And the past is the past. We can't change it. Let's use it to learn from, and let's just create the ideal future that we want and agree to some behaviors and communication styles that we can implement moving forward and you Jason you get to create your own work environment and contribute to that with your colleagues wouldn't that be an exciting way to work moving forward okay I see skip you're right because just right there just listening to that that does uh that does ooze and portray a lot of trust right there because I love the way you position it it's we're doing all this to make your life easier basically you know that's kind of what you're saying right and the fact that I believe that you are the expert about your own work environment yes. and what you want and what you've experienced. And I'm, you know, I can bring some things to the table because I've been in other environments, but this is about your environment. And so I want to hear what you want to create. And when you actually, you know, let people talk about that, it's very, uh, it's very inspiring and people, you know, want to be in control of their own destiny and control of their own environment. And when you give them that opportunity, uh, it it's, makes for a great conversation. So then on the flip side, so you interview all the staff, you've got all that done, and uh, and I can only imagine the treasure trove of information mm-hmm. you probably uncover. Um, and then you go back to the agency owner and you interview them or whatever you do, I don't know, but, but whenever you're delivering this to the agency owner, I mean, you've really got to walk that line because there's probably some serious things you've uncovered, but we've got mm-hmm. confidentiality. And I, I imagine the agency owner, if you were talking to me, is probably overcome with um, curiosity mm-hmm. on who and wow this is coming. But I mean, how do they usually re- receive it? I mean, if you most of the time, I assume it's positive. You get the negatives every once in a while. Yeah, you get some knee-jerk reactions sometimes because they are getting <laughs> feedback that you know that can be you know 
not necessarily hurtful, but certainly, you know, they're, they're, they may be hearing it for the first time. But it's, it's never malicious. It's never nasty. It's just in, in the context of just getting better. And, and, you know, the business owner's made a decision. He's made a, an emotional and a financial decision to bring me in at that point. So they're pretty open to it's true because they've made the investment. But here's a great story. I, I did this. It was an insurance agency. It was another small company with eight employees. And the business owner brought me in, and I did this whole thing, interviewing all the employees. Um, and I went back to him. His name was Gary. And I said, Gary, well, what I'm hearing is that when you communicate, there's confusion, and you're sending mixed messages. And he shot back at me immediately, got really defensive. He said, oh, Skip, there's no confusion. I'm perfectly clear when I communicate. <laughs> I said, well, Gary, I interviewed seven, your seven employees and virtually across the board they agreed that there was miscommunication and mixed messages being sent so i think we have to go with that <laughs> um and and fortunately he was open to the feedback and you know, he took it for what it was worth um and he took a step back and we were able to and he was he was really open to, to hearing and making some changes after that but the initial thing was a knee-jerk reaction that no no i'm perfectly clear right um and and so from there we had a really good nice little raft and a good foundation was built and uh we were able to move forward with that again because we were just looking at the future let's let's create what we want uh, and not worry about blaming or who did what or didn't do what in the past let's just create what we want moving forward and it's, it's very uh, it's very freeing actually Wow, it is. So, what is uh, what is the number? Let's try and get a little more down ground level. What is, I mean, some common things that you see besides, like you just illustrated in the point or uh, in the in the story. Uh, the point being is that the agency owner thought he had clear communication, but uh, you know maybe he just wasn't. And I think I could probably fall into that. I think a lot of people could. But I mean, what are some other issues that uh, you're finding? that are out there that that are kind of a common thing that when you walk into an agency you're probably or business you're probably thinking to yourself this is probably going to be a problem because it is a a lot of places a a lot of it has to do with managing performance and then setting expectations on the front end of of the relationship um, for two things one is performance you know what's what's your job what are the goals that you have and what are you supposed to contribute to the effort and be being really clear and specific about that as it's tied to to an individual's role um, and then behavior expectations how are we supposed to show up <laughs> uh, you know and and how are we supposed to just treat each other um, you know as as crazy as it sounds you know we're we're all adults in the work environment and you would think we would know what you know how we we should be treating each other um, and yet most of that stuff uh, falls by the wayside and and it's it's not clear and so we get the passive aggressive behavior we get the the control issues or the job security stuff you know people sort of hoard information and they only piecemeal it out because they're afraid of the next person knowing too much and that's going to impact my job security and 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 so there's a lot of that that goes on okay a lot of passive aggressive. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. I've noticed I've heard you say that a couple yeah. times. Is the passive aggressive? Um, it, it, you, I, if you've mentioned it that many times, it must be a pretty common thing. Could you explain that a little bit more into what that looks like, so that uh, people listening could be like, "Oh, wow, I have that in my office." It comes in so many forms. Some of it's very stealthy. <laughs> okay. And, and some of it's just, 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 just outright. So uh, the the most. Um, egregious or most visible form of passive aggressive behavior is just sarcasm 
Okay. Uh, if somebody responds with sarcastic comments, very passive aggressive, it has multiple meanings. There's usually an undertone of something uh, going on. So if there's sarcasm, uh, uh, sarcastic responses going on to inquiries or questions, um, uh, that's that's a form of passive aggressive. Gotcha. Uh, uh, another form of passive aggressive is, you know, I ask you to do something for me and you give me lip service and you nod your head and I think you're going to follow through and I'm waiting two or three weeks for you to get back to me on it and you've basically forgotten about it, hoping that I'm going to forget about it. Gotcha. <laughs> um, you know, I ask you to follow up on a phone call to, to a client or a customer because of a situation that happened um, and you're uncomfortable with the, with the conversation and so you procrastinate on it and you put it off. You know, all of those things all fall under that that umbrella. There, there's there's a lot of it, and uh, a lot of it comes from uh, the, just the fact that either a we're not happy in the work environment, we don't like the person who's asking us. There's low trust between the two of us, um, or I just don't have the skills and the comfort level. But I'm afraid to say that because that's going to make me look bad. Gotcha. And, this and, is good stuff. That, that, so, man, I'm thinking of my own agency, so this is great, Skip. Yes. There's so many ways that people, and so many reasons why people won't follow through, and some of it's not, it's not malicious. It's just their own self-esteem or their own confidence um, that doesn't permit it, and maybe the way the business owner has uh, given feedback in the past has shown, well, I better not say I don't know how to do this, right? Right. They don't take that very well. Well, you should. You've been here 15 years. You should know how to do that. Well, yes and no, I guess, you know. And, and so I'm afraid to, to raise my hand and say, well, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want to do it. So instead of doing it, we try and procrastinate or we, we you know, sweep it under the rug and, and we hope they forget. And it just comes back to bite us. There's, there's uh, Passive aggressiveness is, is many forms. Um, and it's it, I, I actually did a little webinar on it back last December called The Worst Workplace Behavior. What it is, it's causes, costs, and cures. Um, because, and it's all geared towards uh, this passive-aggressive thing. And uh, so, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, so, I mean, one of the ways, it, I think it's, it just blows my mind because like, okay, so we have somebody who's in this passive aggressive nature because they actually don't even really um, like their job or the tasks they're doing maybe. And so they're doing a lot of the things you were just mentioning. I mean, what would be a way that that would be an example of how you would get past that other than my common sense thing would be is move them to a different job. Is that as simple as it is or is there another way you would deal with that? Oh, that's a great question. Well, it can be. Although you still have to address the core issue because if you don't have an understanding of what the cause is behind it, moving them to another position, you know, may be, may be the right answer, may be the wrong answer. Uh, and so as, uh, as simple as it sounds, Jason, you just have to ask. You have okay. to call them on it. And, and you don't do it in a... In a, in a you know, demeaning or angry way, you say, you know, Jason, I've noticed over the past couple of weeks you've you've agreed and committed to doing certain things, and I haven't. And you would probably agree the follow through hasn't been there, uh, and and I'm I'm just confused why that is. Can we talk about it? Uh, and and so you you want to get the person to a agree to the fact that there's been something that was agreed to that we didn't. The follow-through wasn't as promised. Uh, and then you said, okay, well, if that's the case, that, that's great. I understand it. And, uh, it's no big deal. Let's, let's explore why that is. 
how can I help you get better with this? Or how can I help you overcome this? Why is, why is that happening? Um, and you just get curious. And that's, that's one of the most powerful uh, responses to stuff like this is just get curious because it does two things. It brings, uh, brings the issue to, to, the, to the top, to the surface in a very non-threatening way. Um, and it allows the person to open up. It's very empathetic, and it's not judgmental in any way. You're just asking for information. And too many people, especially in the leadership role in organizations, uh, in small businesses, always jump to the blaming and the excuses. Hey, we've got to get this done. You didn't do this. Boom, and the hammer comes down, as opposed to just getting curious and trying to investigate. Now, sometimes this is easier said than done, and it takes even longer because the person, again, is not, the trust level is not there. And here's, a, here's another example. One of, one of the things I do oftentimes with employees who are underperforming and who are doing this stuff, I tell the business owner to give this person more responsibility. Wow, okay. And, and give them more responsibility in a very specific way, not to dump more crap on them, but give them something that they can really do that's within their badly wickets, within their strength, and say, hey, we want you to pick up on this. We want you to step up and do this project for, for us because we think you can do, do it well. And that's going to test them, whether they care, whether they want to, or not. And if they do, great. You know you've got the person on board and you can build from there. And if they don't, then you explore again and say, okay, this may not be working out. This job may not be for you, but it's a test. And we did this, we, I did this in this one company. Uh, and the, the, the guy stepped up. It was a, a company that has um, technicians out in the field and they drive their trucks around and everything, right? Uh, right. And, they, and they go on the field and they had equipment in the back that, that they used to do their job with. And this team of technicians was four guys, and they were banging up their trucks. They weren't keeping their trucks clean, um, and they weren't taking care of the equipment. The equipment was getting banged up all in the back of the trucks. And so I said, we're going to give this guy responsibility for the maintenance and the repair of these vehicles. And the guy you know, thought I was crazy. <laughs> they're, not, they're, not, they're not doing what I need them to do. You're going to give them more? I said, just, just trust me on this. I said, I, the guy's name was Sean. I said, Sean, you're going to get together with the, the bookkeeper. And you're going to go through the last five years of expenses for vehicle maintenance and put a budget together. Take the average of those five years of what we spent on vehicle maintenance and project next year's budget by going through the, the mileage and the repairs and maintenance that had been done this year and project the budget for next year. And this is a company that had amortized their trucks over five years and uh, would trade in for new trucks every five years, right? Right. The guy comes back to me and says, you know, we've evaluated this over the last 30 days, and we think if we spend just a couple hundred dollars more each year on vehicle maintenance, we can get seven years out of the trucks. <laughs> and this is a guy who we didn't think had any caring about the financials of the business. He was just there collecting a paycheck. So, so he's on board, right, and he's doing all this great stuff. So we say, great, Sean, step up now. We want you to create a spreadsheet in Google, Google Docs that we can all assess. In, or access, right? He procrastinated on it for six months. And my wow. client was at his wit's end again. Well, this is Sean going back to his old ways. Finally, after six months, after we finally talked to him, he said, I don't understand how to use Google Docs. <laughs> but, but he took, you know. But he didn't want to say anything. I mean, but, he could have simply stood up, but he, yeah, wow, okay. 
Yeah, that was a good visual. That was a good understanding. So, so, so in, sometimes do we assume people are just there to collect a paycheck when they're really they're kind of wanting more? And maybe when you do uh-huh. give them more, that, as you said, it tests them, but it also lets them kind of feel as if finally they're not working just for a paycheck. Right, and we, and, and we, we give them some meaning to their job. Right, um, and and it gives them something to shoot for, and yeah, and, and it allows them to either step up or not, and and that's you know I, using the sports metaphor in my background, um, I use this thing called the trading deadline, and in professional sports, about two thirds of the way through the season, there's a trading deadline where you have to have your roster set for the playoffs, and and there's a lot of moves in professional sports around the trading deadline. And so I use that metaphor again in business. You know, many uh, small business owners, and you've probably seen this in the work that you do, Jason, in that um, business owners are often too fast to hire and too slow to fire, right? Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a marriage. It's easy to get married. It's really expensive and painful to get divorced. Okay? You're same right about thing, that. Same thing, same thing with employees. And so... Um, I ask people to apply the trading deadline, but we, before we even apply the trade, trading deadline in the work that I do with my clients, we give the individual every opportunity to step up. This is what the new expectations are, and this is what we need moving forward. We will coach, mentor, train you to get up to that speed with the understanding at some point, you know, it may not be a fit anymore. And that's what I'm, that's where the, real quick before we wrap up, that's something I want to come back to real quick, Skip, is Okay, we gave the person more work, um, gave them an additional task to test them. We've talked about the fact that it does work. In those scenarios where it doesn't work, is that uh, where we really have to realize? One of the sayings I always like to say, Skip, is uh, if you can't change your people, change your people. And I think think a lot of that goes along the lines with it. What do we do when they step up and they don't take on that task? Um, Where are we at then? Well, I think that's where you have to have, again, that, that conversation. It may take a little bit longer than you want, but you want to give the person every opportunity to to fulfill it, and you just have to investigate. You know, what, what's the reason? Is it an ability or is it an attitude? There's, there's only two answers, right? Either they're not doing it because they can't or because they don't want to. Ah, right? makes um, sense. And so you have to really delineate those two things. Oftentimes, we are trying to train an attitude problem. <laughs> right when the person's not doing their like stuff, that. they're not they're not fulfilling it. So let's just train them. Well, it's not that they don't have the skills or capabilities; it's that they don't want to. They don't care, whatever it is. Um, and so, so we have to delineate between whether it's an ability capability problem, a skill problem, or whether it's an you know it's an attitude. I love that. Lots of the time, we're training an attitude problem. That is, or we're trying to uh, train. Um, yeah. An attitude problem. I love that. There, there's a there's a book um, that I use as a resource a lot. It's called Analyzing Performance Problems, and it was written by this guy named Robert Mager, who's, who's just a genius in the in the field. And there's there's probably thirty different reasons why people aren't doing what you want them to do, and it's it's not that cut and dry. There's all sorts of motivators, but mostly demotivators in the work environment. And I don't think enough business owners realize the amount of demotivators there are in a work environment, and it has nothing to do with money most times. Wow. That it's is just the environment. It's just the environment. And do you, what was the name of that book again? Because ironically enough, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. What is that book? 
analyzing performance problems. And the, and the subtitle is, they really ought to, you really ought to wanna, how to figure out why people aren't doing what they should be and what to do about it. Gotcha. That sounds like an awesome time. Well, Skip, anything as we wrap up, anything you want to add about um, communications or things that people should think? Any notes that, that we did, things on the notes that we didn't cover that you may have? Anything? I just want to reinforce the point that if there's any, there's no problem, issue, challenge, or success in anybody's business that is not somehow related to communication. And, and I think people just have to really look at that and say, okay, where's the communication breakdown and how can we fix it? So many organizations always blame communication as this big umbrella or this big rug thing that everything gets swept under, um, but we never define it clearly enough to do anything about it. And everybody leaves the meeting, oh yeah, communication's got to get better, communication's got to get better, and they walk out of the room nodding their head like lemmings. And Three months later, we have the same conversation. Communication is not any better. You've got to define it in specific terms. What they, specifically is it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. And they say that ninety-five percent of the world's problems are a lack of communication, and I think that's pretty true. Right, and I would say it's a hundred percent because there's one, there's there's one, there's one. Context. There's one level of communication that we take for granted and we don't dig deep enough into, and that's our own self-communication and that's 24-7 that sure. never ends. so imagine if you have 10 or 12 people on your staff you're dealing with that the self-communication that is internal that really gets out um, that you don't know anything about but that's that driving everybody's behavior that is true right there now you say 100% of the world's problems are communication that's because you're in the communication <laughs> business skip that's why you say that so I think if it was 95% skip you could still make a pretty good living so no, you are right though I like that it's that self communication because that's a problem that you have to deal with internally inside and outside and a lot of times we're bringing the outside inside to our uh -huh. office and yeah okay never thought about that but yes yeah, sometimes you got to start there before you even get communication out to their employees and to the uh, and to their bosses or so. So yeah, I like that. Well, Skip, you've been fantastic. I mean, I think we've got some juice out of this. We always like to get red meat. I think mm. you started pretty high and, and really kind of helped us out with some stuff. And uh, I'm I, I'm 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 really glad we did this. I think the I think the listeners are going to get a lot. I'll I'll send you over any feedback we get. And keep in mind, you can reach out to Skip at what email address could they reach out uh, to you at Skip? Skip at WorkplaceCommunicationExpert.com. That's all singular, no S's. And then one more time, if you would, if someone jumped in late, uh, what was the uh, what was the website where they can find you? Uh, it's YourChampionshipCompany.com. Um, at that site, they can download a white paper on the missing ingredient to improving employee performance. And if anybody wants that white paper on the seven deadliest communication sins, they can go to WorkplaceCommunicationExpert.com. Fantastic, Skip. That's awesome, and I appreciate what you're doing because as you as we just ended with, 95 or according to your mm -hmm. words, 100 percent of the world's problems are communication. I mean, we can have a lot of stuff that comes on in here. Whether someone's going to talk about workflows, procedures, compensation, mm -hmm. hiring, however it can be, but that all comes down to communication at the end, whether that's going to be successful or not. So, hey, I really do appreciate it, Skip. Um, if there's anything we can ever do for you um, or is there anything we can do here at Grow, please let us know. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Jason. It's been a lot of fun. I look forward to your feedback. 
Fantastic. So this has been Agents Influence here with uh, Skip Wiseman. And before we go, I just want to remind you, Grow Laboratory, September 8th. Um, it, another thing about this that I didn't tell you guys is that we don't have a bunch of sponsors. I mean, it's really cheap to come. I mean, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's 150 to 200 bucks to come. And everything else is being sponsored by Marblebox, Insurance Agent App, Advisor Evolved. You got to check out Advisor Evolved. My boy Chris Langill. I'm bringing him on the podcast soon. And then Rocket Referrals. These are all. Um, these are all. All people have the service or product that we use, or that many other agents use that we know of. And so, if join us at Grow Laboratory on September 8th. It's going to be an unbelievable time. Grow program forward slash uh, Grow dash Laboratory. And in the meantime, remember, tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Our guest today was Skip Wiseman, and I am out. <laughs>